You are probably familiar with the parlor game or interview question where one is asked, if you could pick three dinner guests, living or dead, real or fictional, who would they be? I'll let you mull that over for yourself for a sec, but as you are in church and in conversation with your priest, chances are fairly good that one of the people you choose will be Jesus Christ. He's chosen by a lot of folks, no matter how bizarre his inclusion in their list of three seems to be. Albert Einstein, Abraham Lincoln, and Jesus. William Shakespeare, Stephen King, and Jesus. Ed Sheeran, Lady Gaga, and Jesus. <laughs> but here's a little secret I'm going to let you in on. You do not want to invite Jesus to dinner. I've spent a lot of time dining with Jesus scripturally, and the truth is Jesus always makes a scene. The goal of the host is to provide a lovely evening where folks can get to know one another a little better and have a lively conversation about topics of substance and events of the day and enjoy good food and drink. And in fact, the guest list is often tweaked to help grease the skids for just this kind of evening. At the end of the night, as the host is saying his goodbyes at the door, he hopes that folks are thinking, my, what a lovely evening. I can't remember the last time I laughed so much. He does not want them to be thinking, awkward. I thought that night would never end. <laughs> but Jesus just will not play the role of the appropriate dinner guest. He will not help the host pull off a lovely, comfortable evening. He won't pet your dog. He won't listen to your children perform some musical offering. He won't make polite conversation with your mother-in-law as she recounts one of her many medical adventures. <laughs> in case you don't believe me, let me remind you of some of his meals. Jesus participates in a meal with sinners and tax collectors that quickly deteriorates when the Pharisees complain that Jesus and his disciples are gluttons and drunkards. He allows a woman to crash and interrupt a meal, to cry all over his feet and, oh how appetizing, wipe them with, his, with her hair. He rebukes Martha, the host who's doing all the meal preparation for wanting a little help in the kitchen. And at the last of his dinner parties, he's arrested and dragged off at the end of the night. So I think we can agree that Jesus is a bit of a wild card as a dinner guest. In today's gospel passage from Luke, Jesus remains true to form. He's been invited to dinner by a leader of the Pharisees. So this is a pretty prestigious invitation. We're told that the attendees are watching him closely. This loses a little something in translation as the original Greek means watching on the sly and implies an evil intent. So they are looking to catch Jesus out. At this dinner, just prior to our passage, a man with dropsy appears before Jesus. His sudden appearance at a dinner to which he would not have been invited suggests that the man is a plant to test Jesus. And the Pharisees have probably been planning this way back since chapter 6, when Jesus healed a man's withered hand on the Sabbath, causing the Pharisees to be filled with fury. Now Jesus asked them, is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? They are silent. So Jesus heals the man and sends him on his way. And then Jesus asks them, if one of you has a child or an ox that has fallen into a well, will you not immediately pull it off, out on a Sabbath day? And again, they will not answer him. 
So this is the setting in which our story for today unfolds. Jesus has seen their hardness of heart toward those in need of healing. He has seen their unwillingness to choose helping others, in essence, to choose relationship over technical rule keeping. And now he observes how they jockey for favor and prestige in this social setting. Dinner parties in Jesus' time were far more than events where people got together to share a meal in good company. There was a prescribed etiquette that governed the hosting of guests in one's home. In Jesus' day, etiquette was not simply about manners. It was about honor and shame and social position and political standing. And these things mattered more than just about anything else. In an honor and shame culture where status means everything, one of the key places where status is displayed is mealtime. The table at this meal would have been a U shape, and the host would have the center seat at the bottom of the U. And the guests with the highest status would sit on either side of the host. And guests, according to their status and their ability to socially and economically benefit the host, would move outward from there all the way to the end of the sides of the U. As folks are still known to do today, the most prestigious guests often arrived fashionably late. If there was not an open seat at the appropriate level of honor at the table, a lesser guest would be told to move down to make room for Mr. Prestige. And it would be humiliating to be told to move to a lower seat. And yet, as Jesus watches these guests, they all seem to assume that they are Mr. Prestige. They are filling in the choice seats and the self-assurance that they are a highly valued guest. They are choosing to honor themselves instead of standing back and allowing the host to choose to honor them. And this is where Jesus once again refuses to play nice at dinner. First, he addresses the guest and he instructs them that they should be taking the lowest seat. Well, this just might seem like prudent social advice, but Jesus is clearly saying something more. He's saying, let go of the social norms that give you your worth. Enter situations with humility instead of hubris. Stop concerning yourself with what standing you can elbow your way into, with what this social setting can do for you. And start concerning yourself with how you can be present for others. Stop your striving. For the striving of this world doesn't count for squat in God's kingdom. He says this to us as well. No matter what our position in life, our employment, our economic status, our education, our family, or what others think of us, our lasting worth comes from God alone. And then... As if lecturing his fellow guests is not enough, Jesus turns to the host and rebukes him. Don't invite all these folks that are easy to like, he says, who can repay you and help make your life easier. Invite those who have no means of making it up to you, the outcasts of society. Many of us can find some comfort in knowing that meals today are not as socially circumscribed as they were in Jesus' day. 
Most of us don't seat people at our table according to their status and ability to help us economically. And we would never ask folks to move down the table. But we're fooling ourselves if we think that as 21st century Christians, we've moved past this hurdle. No, we maintain our divisions by who is not invited rather than how folks are treated once they're there. We stay within our comfort zones, keeping company with people just like ourselves. For us, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind that Jesus challenges us to invite are those who we would never in a million years want to include in our table fellowship. These groups will be different for each of us, but they might include people who have different political views than ours, know-it-alls, people who are intolerant, folks who text while driving, those who have inflated self-images, family members and in-laws who just don't get us and make us feel less than, members, um, people who've hurt us in the past who we struggle to forgive, and those whose needs make us uncomfortable. Whoever is on our do not invite list, Jesus tells us, I want you to rethink the way you do this fellowship thing, because your way is not God's way. For those of us who follow Jesus, there can never be a do not invite list. And as hard and as uncomfortable as this can be for us, we should be glad that it is so. Because the table that God asks us to keep mirrors the table that he keeps for us. God has invited all of us to his table, and all of us are given a place of honor. And this is not through any merit on our part or because of what we can do for God, but rests solely on God's grace. The only reason any of us gets on the guest list is through the inexplicable loving kindness of God. God sees every one of us as we truly are, and we're invited to the table anyway. And because this is the character of God's hospitality, we're called to witness to this hospitality in our own lives, even if it means pushing ourselves outside our comfort zone even if it means striving a little less so we can serve a little more. Even if it means finding a way to share table with those who we find hardest to include. Because this is proper dinner party etiquette in the kingdom of God. Amen.